Okay. Um, just <laughs> kind of keeps us a little bit in order there. Um, once again, let me start out by saying that uh, uh, I do commend everybody for still being here, and especially Elder World. Uh, he's probably one of the most humble men I've ever met in my life. And um, so I definitely look up to him. have no problem calling him elder at all. And um, hopefully I'll be able to, um, I'm just a young man, but hopefully I'll be able to, you know, live up to that same that same state. So uh, I do appreciate it. It makes it a lot easier to talk when you have someone that uh, is like yourself. So um, people say not to lift up uh, men, but I believe in giving honor where honors due. Okay, Genesis 1.16 was brought out. Um, where it talks about the moon rules the night. And I do believe that. I believe the moon does rule the night. The sun rules by day. moon and stars by night. Um, there are some groups that only go by the conjunction when it occurs at night. Now, I'll tell you why. I personally don't take that position here in just a second. But they use the same argument. They say the moon rules the night. And since a conjunction is a lunar event, therefore a conjunction can only uh, be a determining factor if it happens during the night. Their way is similar to mine, but not exact. The reason that I don't believe that is because a conjunction, um, although the moon is the primary determiner of the month, the conjunction is actually a lunar solar event. Uh, it takes both the moon and the sun to have a conjunction. It's kind of like with the year. The sun, I believe, the sun is primarily the determiner of the year by the equinox. But, however, you cannot know when the first moon of the year is without the moon. So the moon is the secondary determiner. Well, with the month, the moon is the primary determiner and the sun is the secondary determiner. And so therefore, I believe that a conjunction, whether it happens during the uh, dark hours or during the light hours of the day, can be counted from because it is a lunar solar event. Um, also, the eastern moon that I was speaking of, which is the waning crescent that's seen just before sunrise on the 29th day of any respective moon, um, is seen uh, just before daylight. It is seen at dark. Uh, matter of fact, it's easier to see at dark. Now, it will not be seen long. It's kind of like that first crescent in the west. Sometimes you can't see it very very long. I've, I've watched from before. You can't see it very long, but sometimes you might see it you know, 15, 20 minutes, things like that. Um, so I do believe that that waning crescent is definitely seen at dark. Um, you mentioned the child scenario, which I, I believe goes more in the favor of me. I wouldn't try to base you know, my doctrine on that. But um, I do believe the fact that a child is alive in the uh, in the womb uh, before its appearance would would prove that it is it is there. Uh, for instance, we know that in, in the Torah, um, a man man would get in trouble if he strove with his neighbor and uh, he hit a woman there in the in the belly, and he was to give life for life, you know, in that case. So it was definitely life in the womb before being seen. So I, I think that would seem seem like that would go more in my favor, which I wouldn't really base anything on that. Um, we do agree the days begin at sundown. Um, the months begin at sundown. No problem there uh, with the first day of the moon. But we, um, we do agree on this, but just not on the visibility part. We, we do start our months when the sun goes down, but we just don't believe the moon has to be visible. Uh, you mentioned history. Now, let me read from this chart here. Now, once again, let me state that... Um, let me state first that I, I have actually... Uh, in certain times, had to had to battle in my mind with some things in history. A lot of times it seems that with, with the flesh that we are, 
uh, we like to see a history book or a or an encyclopedia say something. Um, I'm of the opinion that uh, if 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 I can help it, I, I don't really like to go to any of those for my foundation. I like to go to the scriptures because I know that when I stand before the Creator and His Son, that you know the books will be opened, and He'll judge me out of those books. And um, and I want to make the point that the scriptures are history; they are history, and that they're inspired history. I, I believe you'll agree that the scriptures are inspired; they're breathed. Uh, I can't remember the Greek word in Second Timothy three sixteen, but it means the Almighty breathed or Yahweh breathed them. That the prophets they didn't speak by their own unction, but they spoke by the ruach. HaKodesh, or HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, or the set-apart spirit. Um, scripture does tell us, history tells us, that the Hebrew word Chodesh is used in the Hebrew Scriptures to denote a new moon and has the meaning of rebuilding. That's what Chodesh means, not visible light. And it also tells us that David and Jonathan, 1 Samuel 25 and 18, knew in advance when the new moon would be without visually seeing a rebuilding crescent moon. Now, in looking to ancient non-biblical history, we do find the following information in the works of Philo. And Philo was a man that lived before the time of the Messiah and lived through the life of the Messiah and even lived after the death of the Messiah. I believe it's from 20 B.C. to 50 A.D., if I'm not mistaken, but I could be off a few years. He states in Special Laws, Roman numeral 135, quote, There are two motions of the moon as it continually runs its double course the motion of waxing until the full moon, and the motion of waning until its conjunction with the sun. End quote. Philo also states in Special Laws 2, book, uh, or chapter uh, 11, quote, The third festival is that which comes after the conjunction, which happens on the day of the new, new moon in each month. Which you may say, well, there it says after the conjunction, and I have no problem with that. We believe that it's the first evening after conjunction, and so our new moon is kept after conjunction. Uh, the Colson translation of Philo in Special Laws 2, chapter 26, states, quote, We record the third type of feast, which we will proceed to explain. This, the new moon, or beginning of the lunar month, namely the period between one conjunction and the next, the length of which has been accurately calculated in the astronomical schools, end quote. Now, Philo does go on to say that there are times when the moon shows forth its light, on the, day, on the time of the new moon. He does say that very very clearly, which I have no problem with. What Philo does not say is that that is how it's done every time. Philo just says that there are times when the new moon will be visible light, which we, we believe that. And so we would believe that these three quotes from Philo would show forth that he knew about the conjunction, and he also said that it has been accurately calculated. And remember, he lived back in the uh, time period before the Messiah, during and after also in the in the uh, commandments, which is a book by Mammonides, uh, volume one, page one sixty, which you're probably familiar with Mammonides. I believe he was a Jewish rabbi. Mammonides, yeah. yeah, I may not be pronouncing that right. <laughs> okay, and uh, he states he states quote that is to say when the great court existed in the land of Israel, the first month was determined both by calculations and by seeing the new moon. End quote. And we do that sometimes we see the new moon, and other times we calculate. Um, I do submit that we, we let Scripture be our, our main authority, and I'm kind of hanging our hat on that. If I have to stand before Yahweh one day, I don't want to tell Him that I, I kept the new moon, or that I kept the Sabbath, or that I kept Aviv, or that I didn't trim my beard or, or didn't shave my beard because a history book told me. 
if I stand before him and said, Y'all, you know, I have a beard because, you know, the Bible taught that. And I believe he'll have more mercy with me that way than, than with the other. Um, now, getting into a little bit on the holy days of the new moons, we do agree that the new moon is a holy day. Uh, we, we keep it a little bit stricter. Um, I'm in no way saying that you're liberal by the way you keep it. I'm just saying that we see it to be a little bit stricter in the Scriptures. In Ezekiel 46 and 1, um, it's, it separates the six working days uh, from the new moon and Sabbath. And so we don't believe the Sabbath is one of the six working days. We also don't believe the new moon is because of how it's used in Ezekiel 46 and 1. In Numbers chapter 10, we find that trumpets, plural, were blown on the day of the new moon. Earlier on in that passage, we see that when a day of worship was to come, Trumpets, plural, speaking of the silver trumpets made of complete silver that Yahweh told Moses and Aaron there to have were to be blown on the day of the new moon. So that would imply that the new moon was a day of worship. Isaiah 66, you are familiar with it, from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, also showing not just one new moon, but one new moon to another, implying worship. Uh, the critical passage, I guess, would be Amos 8 and 5. When will the new moon be gone that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, falsifying the balances by deceit. We know that there were Israelites there that would not buy on a particular new moon. The traders of the land were trying to deceitfully sell grain to them. And they said, man, come on. When's this new moon going to be over with? So we can sell grain. And I've asked myself, would, would, would they have asked that question if they tried to sell grain to me on a new moon? Would I have bought it? Or would I have not bought it? And they wonder, well, when's Matthew going to buy the grain when the new moon's over with? The contention is that, well, this is Yom Teruah. This is the seventh new moon. I do not believe that it is. The reason I don't is because of the similarity with Amos 8 and 5 uh, with other passages in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. For instance, in Amos 8 and 5, it just says, when will the new moon be gone? That's very similar to Isaiah 66 where it talks about one new moon to another. 2 Kings 4.23, when it says, It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. Um, uh, 1 Samuel 25, when it says, Tomorrow is the new moon. And different places like that. Uh, anytime that the Bible specifically mentions Yom Teruah as a day, it will tell you, it'll say, The first, uh, first day of the seventh month or in the seventh month on the first day. It'll specifically come right out and tell you. And so Amos 8 and 5 would be the verse that I would use to show that no commercial gainful employment should be done on the new moon. Now, I do believe that housework, my wife vacuums on the new moon, I might cut the grass. Um, uh, if we got something, you know, I got to nail up a board or something, something like that, no problem. I just don't do any septic tank work or gainful employment where I'm, you know, out in, in commerce. Uh, we also believe traveling is permitted on the day of the new moon. Ezra chapter 7 verse 9 shows that Ezra left Babylon to go to Jerusalem on the day of the new moon and that he entered Jerusalem on the day of the new moon, showing that he traveled on that day. Cooking would also be permitted. 1 Samuel 20, Leviticus 23 verses 24 through 25 would show forth that. And so while we believe the new moon is definitely a holy day, we do not believe it is as strict as a Shabbat. And it is not the Shabbat. Um, let me give you an example. We know that there's another day in the Hebrew Bible that is called HaShabbat. And you may know, oh, I'm sure you do. It may not come to your mind right now, but when I say it, Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement is called HaShabbat. But yet, if you'll notice on the Day of Atonement, and I'm, I'm almost positive you all agree with this, you fast 
Okay, you fast on the Day of Atonement. So you have atonement called Hashabbat, and you have the weekly called Hashabbat. So you've got two days called Shabbat there, but one stricter than the other. One you can't eat on, but the other you can. And so that that doesn't we can't use that and say, well, the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, must not be the Sabbath because it's less strict than atonement. Neither can we say that the new moon cannot be special because it's less strict than the Sabbath as well. All right, moving right along. Um, <clears throat> the days in between the high days, I don't believe that these would be as strict as the new moon days. Uh, simply because I find nowhere in Scripture where we would be prohibited of buying and selling on these particular days. Now, I personally take off work the whole week of Passover and Tabernacles. Um, I don't say that a person has to. I personally feel more comfortable doing that. Um, that's something we don't... I wouldn't get up here and preach to the congregation that they needed to do that, but I personally don't don't do that. Um, however, the middle days are never distinguished from the working days. In Ezekiel 46, it says, Thus saith the Sovereign Yahweh, that the gate that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. And so notice how the Sabbath and new moon is disassociated from the working days. But never will there be a scripture where the middle days in between the high days are disassociated from the working days. Matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, the, the phrase new moon is used many, many, many times. I think it's over 60 times that the word new moon is used. And um, even in Colossians 2 and 16, we find that we're not going to allow any man, not the body, but any man to judge us in uh, eating or in drinking or in respect of a holy day, new moon or Sabbath. And that's just not talking about a, just a regular day there when it says new moon. It's talking about a new moon that is special, just like the holy days in the Shabbats. Um, he mentioned the new moon from Jerusalem. And I'm sorry I didn't catch it, Elder World. Do you go by the sighting in Jerusalem? No, you go by locality. We go in, we go by the area where our membership is, which which in most cases they'll see it in California. And there okay. Tons, uh, There's some discrepancy though I know. This new moon that was just observed, like I said, okay. just tonight they'll see the new moon in Jerusalem. Okay. But we saw it last night here in the United States. Okay. So our our, our new moon day will would be uh, for yesterday would be the first day of the month. Okay. Um, now. I know that there is some discrepancy going by locality. Um, there is not as much, but there is some even with the way we do the new moon, depending on the area that you're at in the United States. We've shuffled around the idea about Jerusalem. I, I'm not at the uh, point to where I can say that um, I'm fully persuaded on doing that. I know that it will solve some time problems if you let a, a focal point be into play. Uh, obviously, I have a problem with the... Uh, the Deuteronomy 30 passage, as we mentioned on the Aviv, um, about crossing the sea, I, I, I believe that believers all throughout time were commanded to keep the... Um, I'm just about through. All throughout time were commanded to keep the new moon. And, and I think that it would have been... Yahweh's law would just be too hard if, if He required us to uh, to go by the new moon in, in Jerusalem. However, as Carl has pointed out, you know, in these end times, things may be different. Maybe Yahweh's restoring back His true ways. And we know that Jerusalem is the place where Yahweh placed His name. And uh, that land is special to him. Um, he mentioned Babylon by the visible crescent. Uh, I have to look into that. Yeah. Um, um, I don't necessarily discredit anything just because it comes from Babylon. Yeah. Um, because, like I said before, Daniel was ruler in Babylon for a long period of time. Same thing with uh, with Egypt under Joseph. We know Joseph, who had the Egyptian name Zapnathaniah, 
he was second in command under Egypt. So I suppose that when Joseph had that primary position, they probably went by the calendar Joseph went by. I suppose. Can't really say that concrete. Um, but I'll definitely look at that. Let me say this in closing. If they had those ziggurats where they got up high to watch that new moon, um, I could possibly still see the, uh, the, the possibility that um, they weren't always visible, kind of like what I'm saying, that we do sometimes have that visibility. And we do watch for, for, for the moon, both the waning and the waxing crescent. Uh, we just don't have that day be contingent upon it. Uh, that's all I've got right here. If you've got anything else to say, we'll go ahead. Just one clarification. Then. All right. And then, uh, pretty much okay, you made some very good points there, in particular covering some of these scriptures. And, and I, I had wanted to, to go to some of these, but again, I I cut to the chase, just so to speak, just to, to get right to what we wanted to discuss. But in the case of Amos 8.5, and this is something maybe you haven't considered that, uh, that, that I was thinking about whenever I, I looked at this passage a few days ago. Is it says here in verse 4, Hear this, O you that would swallow up the needy and cause the poor uh, of the land to fail. Okay, this is verse 4 now. And when you, when you think of the context here, it's talking about the needy. And when you think of the needy, of course, you know, you think of, uh, or I do, I'll think of... Uh, what you find over in, in Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 15 in regard to the sabbatical year. Now, what we know is that the poor and the needy, of course, they were the ones many times that couldn't repay their debts. And when the sabbatical was drawing near, uh, in fact, this records this uh, elsewhere, that uh, they, uh, of course, were ex actually taking usury from the people, charging interest, which we know is wrong. But the other thing was that... Uh, they were concerned about sabbaticals in particular because if people owed them money, they wouldn't have to pay them after it. They'd have to be forgiven of it. Now, when you read on here again in the context, if you view this in terms of the sabbatical year, what it says, Hear this, O you that would swallow up the needy and cause the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone? Now, you know, when you think of the, the new moon in particular, when, when will it be gone? Um... If you think of think of that in terms of the sabbatical cycle, uh, you know we know, for instance, that the sabbatical cycle uh, begins and ends on a day of atonement, okay, which is not a new moon day. But you know, it, 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 it in some ways, and I'm just I'm just putting this out as something to consider. Uh, when will the new moon be gone that we may that we may sell grain? Now, if they were truly keeping the sabbatical as they as they should then they were eating the old grain. If you understand, you know, they, they would not be eating the new stuff that was coming in. And if, uh, as in the case of Nehemiah 10, you know, when they were outside this, this, the walls of Jerusalem, the city, wanting to come in and sell their wares, well, you know, one of the peculiarities of, of the land of Israel, and people think that this is strange, that the Palestinians are so much trouble, but ever, ever, ever since Israel entered the land, the, the Canaanite... Uh, Palestinian Arab peoples have always been there. They've always had to deal with that. And so, you know, is it possible when it says about that they may sell grain, that this is relating to the sabbatical year, that they're trying to cause them to buy this grain that, uh, of course, the Arabs or whatever would have grown, uh, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and dealing falsely with balances of deceit. 
you know, which traces back again to, to verse 4, uh, is they're misusing the people. So, you know, in some ways, could this possibly be relating to the sabbatical year? And, uh, and you know, I'm just, just, just the possibility of that. And it says that we may buy the, the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes and sell the, refu- and sell the refuse of the wheat. So, you know, there's, there's a little more to this maybe than just being a scripture about New Moon in itself. Uh, and that's, that's a possibility. Like I said, you, I'll, I'll let you take a look at that and you can harmonize that that's one with, with everything. But, but I was thinking of that before I left. I was looking at some of this stuff and I went, when I went over Amos 8, I had gleaned that out of there. Uh, you know, in many ways we do agree. You know, we, we do view the, the New Moon Day as a holy day, as you said, uh, and it is it is actually different from the six days, the six working days, so to speak, from the standpoint that it is a day of convocation, you know, of holy convocation where people gather together. And I would have to say at this point that that would be, you know, in in in, in light of Ezekiel 46:1, we would view it that way. Okay. Um, but you know, in a lot of ways, we're on the same page with 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 a lot of these things. So I, I didn't really have any more comments. Did you want to say anything, Carl? I'd like to just follow you up just a little bit. Okay. Uh, talking about the sabbatical year and give a little bit of backup to that. Uh, if you'll take... Uh, I hadn't thought about this until you brought it out. And then uh, if you... Uh, in the book of Ruth, we find Boaz, okay, in, in chapter 4, he went to the gate... Now, in ancient times past, uh, in verse 7, Now, this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning uh, redeeming and concerning exchanging to confirm all things. A man took off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. Now, that right there was to to make an oath. Uh, and he gave it to his neighbor. And this one right here now in Amos 8, he says, uh, uh, To sell a... Uh, that we may buy the poor for silver in the first place. They're they're buying and selling people and the needy for a pair of shoes uh, and to sell the refuse of the wheat, which we know that you're not supposed to... If you take a man something in pledge, you're supposed to give it to him before sundown. And so what this is showing here, I feel like, is the discrepancies, how the people were, and, and especially the Jews, as we know in Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, where they were uh, uh, charging their usury. Yeah, usury. Okay? Alright? There's so many times the Jewish people, Israelite people, have they, they go contrary, completely contrary to the law. And this right here, I mean, they're selling the refuse of the wheat. I don't think it's really... Uh, I think in their hearts that, uh, that possibly they wanted to hurry the, this, the Sabbath and the new moon to be over. Not anyone in particular, but just so that they could hurry up and start making money again, because everything in here deals with with making money, you know. And also, uh, when it talks about uh, where, where where was the other one? Uh, the, the the new moon may be gone, so that we can sell, open the grain, uh, sell grain. Uh, yeah, Amos too. That's right. I've been here a long time. We all have. Uh, but couldn't that be talking about the granaries? Why does it have to be individuals? It's almost like a, uh, it's almost like a, uh, a national type thing, you know. Where Joseph put the wheat back, and 
and and he had the uh, he was sold it to the people, uh, and that almost would appear there to be that too that there it doesn't necessarily mean an individual level, but and it could be the granaries that were that were open, you know. So, but uh, that's simply the comments I wanted to make on that, especially with the shoe selling them for a pair of shoes because that was the custom, and you're not supposed to keep a man's stuff over past sundown I think it was but the Jews were just at that time Israelites at that time were just throwing all of this away you know so it was for greed that they were doing these things oh, yeah. let me just say I don't have anything else to say I guess but uh, uh, sure yeah go ahead uh, if you got a question for me or uh, well uh, the main question I guess is um, what I mean, I know how the new moon has practically worked as a blessing in my life, and I think I'm doing it according to the way that people in the scriptural accounts used it to be a blessing in their life. You know, I can ask some questions to both. You know, how has it become a blessing in your life? How is it a gift from God to have this faith? Well, I'll answer. I guess I'll go first. Elder World, would you like to tackle that one? <laughs> uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I'm sure that Elder World's been keeping it probably longer than I've been alive. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but I've actually got a book, New Moon Regulations, where at the end of it I mention how that it's been a blessing since me and my wife and children have been uh, observing it. We began observing it when me and Brother Arnold were on the way up to a conference in Tennessee. And um, Amos 8 and 5 had just come to my attention just by reading the Scriptures. And I brought that to Arnold, and we went over to Isaiah 66 and Ezekiel 46 and things, and we noticed something about the new moon we'd never even looked at. We were just keeping, I believe we were keeping Saturday as the Sabbath in as well. We kept the new moon probably about a year before we kept lunar Sabbaths. But, um, so, you know, we've been ridiculed for it, uh, just like with anything else. You know, you're going to suffer persecution for going with what, with Yahweh's word. No matter what new moon you keep, sliver, conjunction, man, you know, you, you're going to get persecuted. Why are you off? That's moon worship. You know, all this kind of hogwash people's going to tell you and think you're loony. And, um, but it's been a blessing. I, I can just tell you that, uh, my children enjoy it. Uh, they, it gives us another day to, uh, enjoy our family because it's not as, as strict as the Sabbath. Um, we're not, you know, Bound. Uh, I don't like, like to say the word bound. I don't look at the Sabbath as being grievous. It's a delight, Isaiah says. But the new moon is, is more of like a festivity day. You know, when you, you may want to play a, a game of softball or, or uh, volleyball with the brethren at the assembly or something or, uh, or you know, sit around and have a big feast like they did in 1 Samuel 20. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I could say like with any of Yahweh's commandments, First John five three, uh, the Bible says, "This is the love of Elohim that you keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome." So they're not. It's just a matter of whether or not we're willing to adjust our lifestyle around Yahweh's lifestyle. This is a death style, but keeping Yahweh's commandments is a lifestyle. And um, me and Elder Ward were talking before services how that so many people are wanting to become more and more liberal with the laws of, of our Heavenly Father. And um, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto him, Master, Master, will enter into the kingdom, but only those that do his will. So you have to do something to go to the kingdom of heaven. We're not, we're not you know, discounting the blood of Messiah by no means. 
You know, he, it takes it takes the uh, it is the uh, propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. First John two two, but um, but we definitely believe that he uh, he demands obedience, even to his new moons. And um, I believe if a man will will uh, decide within his mind that it doesn't matter what it costs, and the Bible talks about counting the cost, it doesn't matter what it costs, but that you're going to obey Yahweh. The Bible teaches that. You'll be blessed in Deuteronomy 28. In the city, the field, when you when you uh, come in and go out, He'll bless everything you do. And sometimes we have to step out on faith. But um, hey, we've we've not we've missed a day of work for the past five or six years. But it looks like you always just kept things going in order. And um, so that's that's what I can say. I'm going to ask the other world to answer. Sure, we did. I want him to answer that I guess when you get to, when you get over a certain age, you don't really pay much attention to how quickly the time goes by. But you know, I, I've been keeping the new moon since 1973, so I guess that is a while. Although, as I said, living in Pennsylvania, uh, we tend to not be able to see them every month, which is which is rather a disappointment. But uh, it, the, keeping the new moon in our particular case, uh, even though we don't keep it as, quote, strictly as you all would keep it here. You know, nevertheless, it is a special time because it is a time of, of being able to gather with the family, with Yahweh's people, uh, to take uh, the, the time to offer worship to Him, and that's really what it's all about. You know, it is a way of connecting with Yahweh. You know, I really think His calendar and the, the visible new moons, or the new moons, are reviewing it, the feast days, all of those things have to do with connecting with Yahweh. His Sabbath, uh, you know, he has allowed us to understand these things and to be able to uh, not just understand them, to be able to participate in them. This is all part of the plan of salvation. You know, as, as you mentioned, the discussion we had before, one of, one of the great disappointments that I have had in the last uh, year and a half since uh, as, as, we, as we consider ourselves to be the continuance of truth from the, our former affiliation, the Assemblies of Yahweh. Uh, that that group has gone the way of modern Pharisees. They have become so legalistic, they are more concerned about outward appearance than they are about the change of the heart. And, you know, we, we have, we came out of that, and of course looking to the Sacred Name movement, and it's, you know, it's refreshing to, to find people as yourselves who are strict with, with keeping the Sabbath, or strict with the feast days. Because what, what I have seen with people that I have contacted with so far in the Sacred Name movement in particular uh, is that there is a great deal of laxity and liberalism among those people. Uh, they, the other thing that, that, that I've seen, which I, I really think is due to the fact that they're not taking the, the observance of Yahweh's feast days as serious as they should, especially the Sabbath, is that many times these people are doctrinal illiterates as far as understanding what the Bible teaches. They do not grasp the basic doctrines. They don't know why they do what they do. Uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, the, the uh, uh, Mr. Miller when he was here mentioned that he's what like third generation SDAs. Well, there are people that are that are like third. Well, actually, you know, my wife was raised in the truth. My my in-laws and my sister-in-law were baptized in the Yahshua's name in 1954. Well, Jacob Meyer was only baptized in 1964. You know, they had 10 years on him. Not, you know, not that that means anything, but in, in any event, 
you know, it's like my children are actually, uh, I have a grandchild, you know, so the generations are, are building. But when you look at some of these sacred name people, uh, in particular, I, I knew their parents. Yeah, I can think of one man in particular. He's passed away now. And his father was, was a minister, actually was a minister in AOI, as was he at one point. He was a deacon. And uh, his children, he's not around anymore. And, and part of the reason why he's not around is that uh, he, he, was, he was breaking the covenant in ways that he shouldn't have, <laughs> uh, which is very sad. But in any event, uh, his children lack that strictness in their life. You know, they, they are preaching in a particular organization today. And when they preach messages, they basically sound like the warmed-over love messages of Christianity. And there's nothing wrong with preaching about love at all. But if it's not properly taught, you know, and and that's another thing that I have seen that that, that disturbs me in the Sacred Name movement, is the fact that they they no longer know the love of Yahweh. To, To keep the visible moon, you know, to keep the new moon day, to keep the feast days is a joy. As you mentioned, it's a joy to keep the Sabbath. It's something that we rejoice over, but yet with these people, uh, they are they are not doing things correctly the way they should. Uh, they 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 lack spirituality, and they get and they tend to be judgmental, verbally judgmental. I'll put it that way because they're not throwing stones at us. Of those of us who tend to be stricter with Yahweh's law, uh, I don't see it any other way that than obeying the law teaches a person. How to love Yahweh, how to love their neighbor, and uh, and those who and again we're seeing that liberalism where they pay lip service to the law but they're not doing it. They criticize those who do it and say they're legalistic, uh, when in actuality they don't know what they're missing by not being strict with the law and in, 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 in the good effect that it has upon a person. Uh, you know, it, where would we be? You know, in the law of Yahweh. I mean, Yahshua the Messiah, as it says in, in, in John. 114. He, he was the, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, he is the Word. You know, he he is uh, the Word, but but he is also the Law. He is Torah made flesh, and so therefore we show our faith in him as the Messiah by obeying the covenant. You know, whereas whereas people have many times have lost sight of that. You know, they have forgotten what Paul said in Romans 6:1. Do we therefore? Continue in sin that faith may abound, he says, by no means. But that is the attitude that a lot of people have. So it's refreshing to me, like I said, even though we have some differences, I can see that you are people who are very dedicated and you are people who want to do what is right. And your your philosophical approach to the law of Yahweh is is, is very similar to what we have. Uh, we may have differences, and you know, I pray in the future that Yahweh will cause all uh, things, these differences to disappear, but you know at least we are we are talking, and like I said, I don't consider you all as being enemies at all. No, Although we left our former affiliation, and I mean you all would fall into the category of enemies too. But you know we especially are enemies, <laughs> and you know those people won't even talk to us or have anything to do with us, and uh, that's that's very sad. I met Jacob one one time when he was up here. And, uh, 